Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Chris Francis and Eli Kim. And we just watched an overtime thriller. Cavs took down the Washington Wizards 117-107. Uh, had the game pretty well in hand. What about seven? Up by seven with about, uh, you know, 45 seconds left or so. And then they turned it over like two or three times in a row. And somehow the Wizards made it to overtime. <laughs> Does that sound about right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just had dead legs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw Donovan Mitchell, a lot of turnovers late, like three straight turnovers. Uh, played 44 minutes on the night. Um, I I kind of felt like the uh, Cavs should have trusted uh, Raul Neto a little more and uh, given him more of a break in the uh, fourth quarter. But uh, we know JB likes to uh, ride his guys. So, but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting game. Um, Donovan Mitchell was awesome again, 37 points, five rebounds, four assists, three steals. Um, just, I think the phrase I heard on the, the comments from the commentary, it was mini LeBron and that feels pretty accurate. That's right. I mean, who stood out to you, uh, Chris? Oh man, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm starting the uh, Mitchell is MVP agenda like tonight. That's that's what's going on. I mean, he's opened the season with over 30 points every game, 
and close this game out, you know, off a of back of, uh, you know, 45 minutes off a of second game on, in the back to back, three steals and three steals and a block tonight. Yeah, he so, was uh, great yeah, on I mean, D. I mean, he's just doing it all. So, uh, yeah, he's MVP. MVP. Let's go. And I feel like Jared Allen's just working towards defensive player of the year. Like he was ridiculous tonight with the blocks and just the, the clutch defensive play is late. He was incredible. His fourth quarter was huge. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, good. What do you say, Chris? Yeah, for me, I want to go with, uh, I want to go with, um, Dean Wade. Um, I thought he, he was instrumental in, especially down the stretch. He made those clutch three pointers and just made the right play and had enough size to keep, you know, Barton and Beal, uh, working a little bit harder down the stretch. Also, team, just got to throw a, a shout out to Jetty Osmond. I, so I think Osmond has been playing lights out to start the season. And, um, I was glad to see that JB did roll with him in OT. Um, he kept the ball moving. He played 32 minutes tonight, uh, 12 more minutes in a coro. So if Garland is still out, I think, I really do think Osmond maybe should be getting a starting nod over a coro. Um, he's just, I'm, I'm going to counter you there so far this season. I'm going to counter you there because okay. I love Osmond coming off the bench. But Okoro, I have never seen anything like what Okoro is doing on offense right now. He actively does not want the ball, and his team doesn't want to pass to him. He's not even moving without the ball. He's uh, afraid of it and um, doesn't even go for rebounds. Like, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like, the only thing he wants to do on the court is face-up guard his man. It's super weird. I've never seen anything like it. Have you guys, like, am I just going crazy? Like, I watched him. I mean, I don't, it's just, no, I mean, this is what a 21-year-old looks like on a good team. You know what I mean? Like, 21-year-olds on good teams don't really contribute all that much. I mean, Evan Mobley contributes. Evan Mobley contributes. Well, Evan Mobley's a top three pick that should have been number one and was a rookie of the year candidate. We're not, I mean, we're talking about the normal rookie or the normal young NBA player. They're just not going to contribute at the age of 21. He's you know, in his third season, though. I mean, like, what are we doing? He's still I, I just, I mean, we, 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 I, I was, I know I'm one of his. We brought this up last time. I know I'm one of his biggest defenders. You said be patient. But, Come but on, I, man. Like, now three games in? Oh. I've never seen anything like it on an NBA court. Like, I don't know what I'm watching with him. It's weird. Um, I, I, mean, I don't get it bad. at all. I mean, he's just a young, bad player, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Weird. But why is he starting? It's my yeah, question. Because right. he's well, a fifth overall back pick. To Eli's point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go back to Eli's point that JB needs to have some – he needs to grow a pair, to be honest with you. Yeah. What, I, it's, J, it's JB's fault. Really? Yeah. Like what no, is he and, doing? and and I'm with Eli. Like I think Chetty Osmond might deserve the starting line, but I don't know if I'd change his role because he's playing so well. So bring Dean Wade, start him at the three, shift Levert down to the two because he's playing the two anyway. Um, and just roll because Okoro, yes, he gives you some nice face up defense and some situational defense, but he is just He's killing their starts because nobody even has to guard him on on defense. Uh, and I will say the Cavs' offense, 
is a little simplistic in that they just throw two guys in the corners and run high action. But I, I don't know what we're seeing. Like, it's ridiculous. So that aside, the Cavs, I thought, played fantastic tonight. Last two nights, really. Did you get to watch uh, last night's game, Eli? I did. Um, I got to watch both games pretty much in entirety. I thought I, I agree. I think they played really well both nights. Um, you know, speaking of players that have kind of been a little disappointing, um, I know we've hammered on a Cora, but I actually think Mobley's been kind of underwhelming to start the year. Um, I'm really kind of disappointed in his um, offense, and for some reason, uh, I just feel like he's not as good or active defensively to start the year. I think he's so focused on being good on offense that it's kind of bogging him down defensively. And, I mean, to his credit, he was 6-for-6 six six from the free throw line tonight, which really saved his box score overall. But uh, I've been I've been really kind of underwhelmed so far by Mobley this year to start. Well, he got subbed out in overtime when he uh... – I think he banged knees with somebody and he came out and he wanted to go back in and Dean Wade played and, you know, JB didn't put Evan back in. And I, you know, I think it goes back to what we were saying on the last podcast a little bit. I think they were hyping the kid up a little too much. I think he was, he, I think he's smelling himself a bit, you know, uh, I, I thought, you know, it was funny cause I talked with Tom Pestak about, uh, our last podcast when we were going over the, the Mobley article in the uh, Cleveland.com. And Tom was like, I can't believe you let Chris talk you out of your stance. You you shouldn't have pulled your punches, man. It's like, that was garbage. He hasn't earned anything yet. Why are we fluffing him up as a potential Hall of Famer? Like, th- this is a little ridiculous so far. And I definitely think one of the things I absolutely love about the NBA <laughs> is when the cold light of the regular season starts, there are no frauds anymore. Like, it's you either can play or you can't, you know. And we're seeing who can play and who can can't, who can't already. What what were you laughing at there, Chris? Oh, no, I love it. I, I, I love it that uh, uh, I love the uh, old, uh, the, the grumpy old man, Tom Pestek, <laughs> that I was laughing at. But yeah. Uh, you know, I, I agree with Eli, uh, especially on the defensive side. That's where I'm concerned about Mobley the most because that's where he's supposed to be a defensive player of the year candidate. You know, he was one last year as, as a freshman, so you know, as a rookie. So, you know, the team right now, the Cavs are at 113.4 defensive rating with him on the floor. And that's crazy. By far, by far the worst. On the team, ironically, Jared Allen is second worst. So uh, I think actually both of their defense has been kind of underwhelming. Um, I think uh, especially if you look at their rebound numbers, they're both terrible, absolutely terrible. So um, that's what's concerning to me is and what and then the additional part for Mobley on the offensive side is the turnovers, like almost a 20% turnover ratio or 20, almost a 20 turnover ratio. It's bad. So although he's making shots, so it's clear that he's figured out some parts of his game. And I go back to the age thing, like the, the two worst performing players on the team right now by net rating are 
Mobley and Okoro. And uh, they're coincidentally the two youngest players playing. So at both a 21. So I just go back to these are young guys that are now looking like young guys because they're 21 years old in the NBA with the playoff expectations and being on a good team. You know, they're just their rawness and their inexperience is really standing out the first three games. Interesting. Uh, I I feel like I've seen a more under control Evan Mobley, but he kind of degenerated as the game went on tonight. Like that piece of crap he threw at the backboard late. Uh, we were all like, "What was that?" Like he shouldn't have even shot that. So it was he was a little concerning. I do hope they kind of turn it around. Um, I do think there's a lot to what you said, Eli. It looks like. He's focusing on offense a little more than he probably ought to. Maybe just go be that defensive guy out there and, you know, go get it done. I, I'm i surprised about what you said about Allen, but the defensive rebounding numbers definitely do stand out there. I mean, where would the Cavs be without Kevin Love and Robin Lopez's defensive defensive rebounding? You know, that's really where they've been getting the bulk of their quality rebounding which is weird. And of course, Donovan Mitchell, you know what I mean? Know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, Oh no, for sure. I mean, I think I'm mute. (laughs) Absolutely. No, go ahead. Yeah. I think the uh, biggest surprise for me watching Mitchell every game versus only when they play the Cavs or the playoffs is just how much a better rebounder he is than basically any guard the Cavs had in a very long time. Like he hustles back, uh, rallies and is really active on the defensive boards. And obviously tonight he had eight, I think eight rebounds tonight. Yeah. So, um, no, sorry. He only had five, but it just feels like in the clutch moments, he was willing to go back and, you know, not leak out. And it's just such, such a night and day difference than like Okoro, who's even a lot bigger than him. Just hesitating. To, you know, I don't even understand Okoro. Go ahead, man. Just no. I mean, it's, I was just gonna say four point seven percent. Like that would put him in the that would put him in the first percentile in the NBA. Like, he doesn't even go for rebounds on defense. He just leaks out every time. He, do, he doesn't. He doesn't. I don't understand it. I don't so understand what we're watching. Anyway, I mean, it comes uh, down to coaching here, though. I, I feel it. You know, like yeah, it, I feel like he must be being coached that way. Because it's it's been a problem for three years. Yeah, but I mean, what is? But I don't understand not leaking out or not rebounding. Like, I just don't get it. Like, on offense and on defense, yeah. that is the way to get the ball in your hand and get some rhythm. You know, get your touches with rebounds with activity. That's how Jared Allen was doing it tonight. Like, guys weren't passing Absolutely. to him, so he was just going and getting offensive rebounds. You know. I mean, it, he was it so was big weird. in that fourth quarter. Like, what a he oh turned a light on in that fourth quarter. Oh, for he sure, was awesome, for sure. And I, I think he's definitely suffered from. I wonder how in shape he came into camp because he has struggled getting lift on his shots and that jump hook that was kind of automatic last season. Uh, and obviously, he's playing Porzingis tonight, who's a little bit longer, but he's definitely missed a lot of point blank shots that weren't dunks this year. Um, and that's a little concerning. And like you said, oh, yeah, he's not, I mean, yeah, it's pretty obvious because he like leads the NBA in field goal percentage every year in the last two years. And 
this year. He's off to a horrible start. So we used to think it was like so automatic. He would either dunk it or have that, you know, very flat hook that was automatic. And now it feels like he just can't buy a bucket in there unless it's like a dunk, which is really kind of, maybe it's just early season jitters, but it is kind of a interesting trend to see for the first three games. Yeah, for sure. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Captain Hook, uh, who has uh, been awesome so far this year. And, uh, in one Mr. Robin Lopez, so we'll be right back. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to Cats of Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. And I am here with Eli Kim and Chris Francis, uh, my stalwart uh, Cavs the Blog uh, co-runners. I don't, I don't know what else to call us. I, I'm not one for fancy titles, so. But I do like <laughs> I do like the nickname for Robin Lopez, Captain Hook, because he that cat hook shot is automatic. And tonight he had a circus shot. Uh, what What do you think of uh, Lopez so far, Eli? Yeah, I'm actually really surprised how effective. His game is because um, he's so spig and lumbering. I mean, he he kind of really reminds me of like Boban Marjanovic. I mean, just because Boban's kind of been on the national stage, so we've seen it more often where he's that big lumbering guy, just so much bigger than everyone that he can get those easy buckets. But we have, I mean, the Cavs have that now in uh, Captain Hook. And it's just so interesting to me that he plays so far back but he still manages to deter any drives or um, any really like you know, penetration or kickouts um, across the court because he's just so big and it's just, it's fun to watch. But, um, you know, I think that the last two games, his effectiveness was really 
really on display because I think Jared Allen just can't play that. You know, he just doesn't. It just feels like big guys don't have the stamina to play the 35, 40 minutes a night. And that's where kind of Rolo, Captain Hook has been instrumental in filling that minute gap because the Cavs kind of need to protect, uh, you know, like a Dean Wade or uh, Kevin Love on the defensive end from the huge guys. So I'm, I've been really surprised and I'm glad that he's he's the backup center instead of, um, you know, Ed Davis last year. Definitely a huge upgrade. Chris? Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree 100% with Eli. It's just uh, the upgrade that it was. It was a guy who, I mean, like you knew he could get bench minutes. And what I thought was cool about the pickup, you know, I've said this before, is that uh, he, him wanting to come to the Cavs, I think was a great sign for the Cavs about their potential. Just, you know, he's not going to go to a place, he's not going to waste away on a bad team. He just did that in Orlando. So he wanted to go somewhere where they were competitive, they wanted to win, and he was going to get to take part. And it's all come together. It's a perfect marriage right now. His stats are astoundingly good. Just his team stats are astoundingly good. Um, just a, a fantastic pickup on, in the offseason. And really kind of, I think most of it, what, I mean, what it really just shows is just, you know, the Cavs were a destination spot for Lopez and Neto. You know, they, they wanted to come to a, a winner. And uh, that's what we're doing. We're going to do some winning. I like it. Um, the other guy that I've been impressed with so far, um, and honestly, with the Garland injury, if it weren't for this guy, the Cavs would be really hurting right now because they desperately needed a second ball handler, offensive initiator. Karis LeVert, I think, has been really good the first three games. Yeah, he kind of had a subpar shooting game tonight um, with the... Uh, you know, four for 14, but uh, plus 15 on the night and, uh, you know, four assists, only two turnovers to go with two steals and really gave uh, Donovan Mitchell the uh, uh, some well needed rest from being the uh, engine of the Cavs offense uh, and did a really nice job initiating, came up with a couple enormous threes in the uh, third quarter. And uh, a big bucket late to kind of retie the game uh, in overtime. Uh, so it was he was big, and I think he's played really well, even though his shooting numbers might not show it. And I do hate it when he has those Karis Levert. I'm going to dance around for 15 seconds and be herky-jerky with the ball and not actually have anything happen. But he's minimized those for the most part, and I think he's kind of perfect when Darius Garland comes back because he really seems to minimize that even less or even more, you know, more minimizing. I don't know if that's less or more, but anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) nice. (laughs) Anyway, it's been, it's been fun to watch him. So, uh, what's your, what's your take uh, on Karis, Chris? I know you've all been, been all about the Karis agenda. So thank you. Thank you, Nate. Yes, yes, vindication. I, you know, I think you said it pretty. I think you captured it pretty well. I think he just hasn't found his scoring rhythm yet. If he could just figure out, like, just being aggressive. Like, there was a point in the game, you know, he finally took fourteen attempts, which was good. Like, he finally started chucking the ball at the end there, and he needed to. Um, but he was just so passive 
trying to find his shot. He's so worried about getting his teammates involved, it seems like he his assist rate is ridiculously high. Like, it's point guard level high, um, from what I can tell. Uh, he has uh, an assist uh, uh, ratio of 31.3. You know, like, NBA average is half that. So um, he's doing a great job distributing the ball. He's doing a great job moving the ball. Um, he's doing a great job rebounding too, uh, or at least a competent job rebounding. It's just once his shot starts falling, once, once he gets comfortable about where he's going to get his shots, how many shots he's going to take and just being aggressive that way, then we're really going to have some fun on this offense. And like you said, DG is going to be back and that's going to even, that's going to help him more obviously, because then he's going to always be in that secondary role. Um, so, and that hopefully that'll get his scoring going. So, uh, yeah, I love Point Karras. Point Karras has been a revelation these past couple of games, hasn't it? Eli? Yeah, I mean, um, I think Karras has been playing pretty well, even though his shooting hasn't been great. And in a weird way, it kind of reminds me of Sexton for some reason. And maybe this is just my weird way of thinking, but, you know, Sexton has those nights where he goes 4 for 14. I mean, like tonight he went 2 for 10 for the Jazz, who won in spite of him. but. Um, like those nights where his offensive game isn't going, but he still needs the ball in his hands. Like Karras just does so much more that could help the team still. And I think that's one of the biggest factors of why Levert is still Cavalier and Sexton is not even in this trade. Um, I also think his defense has been surprisingly a lot better than I thought it'd be. Um, I feel like he's definitely way more attentive and seeing him play the yeah, and playing the passing lanes was really impressive for me. I think I don't think we saw any of that last season um, when he was trying to play uh, for the Cavs as a Band-Aid. But for me, I think he's one of those players where his reputation helps the team a lot more than his actual play in some ways, too, because when you talk about gravity, I feel like he has infinitely more gravity than Okoro or um, you know any of the other backup wings, and it's probably not even deserved, but because the players all respect his game so much, I feel like he actually spaces the floor more than he should. And um, my theory is that you know players view the game a little bit differently than we do, and when they see Levert, they see the guy that's you know cooked the Lakers last year for forty-two points. They see the guy that you know, shot, you know, seven for nine for the Nets in the playoffs in his rookie year. So I feel like in a weird way, the players respect this game so much more and it really just makes it easier for the rest of the team as they uh, play with him as their, you know, the starting three. Yeah. And I think the point about his defense has, is really cogent, Eli. Like he has taken an assignment of guarding a pretty tough guy every night and being kind of right up on them fighting around screens, using that length intelligently, not fouling too much. Uh, I do think he kind of got a raw deal, you know, when they put him on uh, Pascal Siakam in the Toronto game, but I'm not taking too much away from that Toronto game other than that they got the crap beat out of them physically and they still only lost by three. Like they were right there. So you know, and it's three point. You give three points to the ref, and I feel like, or for the home field advantage, and I feel like that night that was like a ten point advantage. So for them to come within three was pretty good. 
Um, and I think Karis LeVert outside of, you know, getting cooked by Pascal has been, been pretty darn good on defense and the, the plus minus in the lineup numbers are there, you know, um, they've been, he's been a positive on the court whenever he's been playing at least without Isaac Okoro. So I like him. I've really liked him with the Neto backcourt, you know, the, the times that DG has been injured here, like him and Neto seem to have, just a nice, a nice little symmetry or uh, synergy, you know, between each other. Yeah, I think the Cavs need to ride Neto a little more, especially a team like the Wizards, where you know they've got some guards that aren't going to totally punish him. You know, I I feel like Neto could have played another five minutes tonight and probably made it not an overtime game if Donovan Mitchell had gotten a you know another five minute blow because. The last two nights, they've been positive when Mitchell's been on the bench. So, you know, I know from the Toronto game, a JB doesn't trust that. But to me, it worked. So I thought that eight minutes Neto played was pretty solid. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think think in a way, Levert thrives most with – with like a more pure point guard because um, he truly isn't. I don't think his best role is when he's the primary guy. So for me, I think Neto or Rubio will be the perfect pair with Levert. Um, I also think Garland is a better fit with Levert than Mitchell is. So for what it's worth, I think long-term, just getting excited seeing Rubio at this game, even though he has no reason that he's not anywhere near coming back yet. Um, Sitting next to Ray mind, Charles, uh, Darius Garland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think in my mind, like, I think uh, long for the rest of this year when everyone's healthy, I think you're pairing Garland and Rubio with Levert and, or Garland and Levert a lot. And you're probably going to pair Rubio and Mitchell a lot um, in those units when everyone's healthy. That's kind of, the vision I'm seeing. Um, that's a, that, that's an embarrassment of riches if, if Rubio comes back. Oh, for sure. I I mean, I think it's it's funny because we're like, the Cavs have so many guards. How's everybody going to play? And then we're like three games in and already Donovan <laughs> Mitchell is like the entire offense. And Karis LeVert is basically the backup guard and they don't trust Neto. And Isaac Okoro is AWOL on offense. So I'm like... Yeah, it, it's a little bit goofy. So definitely kind of their secondary playmakers like Mobley and Okoro. Well, I wouldn't even call Okoro that right now, but Mobley for sure kind of needs to do a little bit more and kind of it, – it's hard when you're that young, uh, you know, because half the time you're thinking and not reacting and feeling. Um, and I feel like that's a place where Evan Mobley has a hard time – uh, sometimes he's overthinking and sometimes he's not thinking enough and it's hard to find that, that balance and that feel. But, uh, you know, speaking of a guy that's found that balance and that feel, and I know you have, were tweeting about him tonight, Chetty Osman, you like, what a revelation he's been in three games. I mean, the Cavs are probably 0-3 if not for Chetty Osman, right? Oh, I mean, maybe maybe not 0-3, but 1-2 at least. Um, but I still think the most bonkers stat of the Cavs this year is that Jetty Osmond was plus 41 against the Bulls in like 22 minutes. 
Like that's just mind boggling to me. He uh, had a uh a plus twenty eight net rating, I think. Yeah, yeah it was, I mean, those are yeah, how hot. Um but he's you know, he's doing it not even all with just flamethrower shooting. I think that's what's really encouraging about Osman right now. I feel like he's playing some of the best defense he's played. And I think some of that is matchup too. I mean, he's always been the guy that like has been the small ball four for the Cavs. And this year he's not going to have to do that at all. Um, so no, Chetty's a guy that plays really... down so much better than he plays up. Correct. But the Cavs have always been so enamored with him playing as the four, basically. And now he doesn't have to because of Mobley, Allen, and, you know, Wade and Love soaking up those minutes. So. I'm just glad that to see that even though through all the trade rumors and stuff this offseason that he is just playing lights out and in a, in a way I think him and Love are kind of really carrying this team at the beginning with Garland out. I I know Mitchell's playing lights out. Let's let's not, I'm not trying to take any credit from him, but you know the last two games the Cavs have come out flat and what has who has turned them around? It's when they put Osman and Love in and they get the lead back for the rest of the game. Well, they're it's going in. The they're going in for a Coro and Mobley. That's just fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's that's the you know <laughs> that's how that's how it's things a, are working. It's addition by subtraction sometimes there, and that that's probably a case of that with the, that sub pairing right now. Yeah, sure. I think. Um, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll talk about Kevin Love a little. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I'm Nate Smith here with Chris Francis and Eli Kim. And we are recapping the Cavs 117-107 win over the Washington Wizards. And a guy that has definitely brought it in the first three games, uh, to me, has been Kevin Love. Not as much tonight, and I think they were trying to protect his legs a little. He only played 14 minutes. Um, But, you know, he's an old man, and those back-to-backs are hard. But he had five points and seven boards. But, of course, last night he came in and scored against the Bulls literally nine points in 90 seconds. Um, He was uh, three threes, uh, five of six on the night, just a flamethrower, all the confidence in the world, you know, posting guys up, grabbing rebounds, snapping them outlet passes. He was just awesome. Uh, What have you seen from Kevin Love that's made him so effective so far, uh, Chris? I mean, he's just doing exactly what he can do to the best of his abilities, which is launch threes and rebound um, and actually pass the ball. So, I mean, he's just he's just operating at such a high level right now. He's healthy. He's happy. Like he's on a great team. They know how to use him. He's got ultimate trust in his guys. They have ultimate trust in him. So he's just thriving. I mean, like one of the most impressive plays of the night was uh, him playing some defense tonight on the perimeter. Uh, completely shut down. I forget who it was. It was either Barton or Hachimura or something like that on the perimeter. Um, 
just moving his feet, you know, competing. Uh, looked like uh, it looked like uh, you know, game seven on Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Like he's just, <laughs> you know, he's just firing on all cylinders right now. It's a beautiful thing to watch. He gets the largest, you know, some of the largest receptions. You know, if you saw the pregame uh, introductions, yeah. So I mean, he's just. I mean, he's just. He's he's a made. He's a king in. He's the king of Cleveland. You know, he, he, that's what he is right now. He's just. He's just absolutely. Uh, you know, it's his town. To channel my inner Austin Carr, when Kevin Love is moving his feet, it's a beautiful thing. So. Anyway, uh, Eli, um, so Chris touched on a guy I know is near and dear to your heart. Um, but you know, we haven't talked about the wizards much, but what did you see from Japanese Jordan tonight? Uh, Rui Hachimura, I feel like he's really grown as a player. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, um, I was actually really impressed. I think some of his buckets were a little lucky in the beginning when he started like six for six. I mean, he had like a couple mid range J's that I was like, yeah, I mean, not the best shot, but it went in. Um, but I'm actually surprised that they're not like playing him that much. I think that was the biggest shock of the game. I thought he was, uh, lighting us up and lighting the calves up. And he like only played like came off the bench and I thought he was going to get all the run down the end of the stretch, but he really didn't. So. Um, he was definitely yeah, the I mean, best I was, bench player. Oh yeah, I mean, he, I'm glad he's at least sur- surpassed Avdia because it was baffling to me that he was losing minutes to that guy. Um, and so, and thank God yeah, for that not, guy tonight. He was one for six. He was awful. Yeah, I mean, it really was what he had sixteen points, seven for twelve. So he kind of cooled off, but um, definitely glad to see his game kind of evolve. Uh, a lot and especially this year considering that everyone thought he was kind of done for out of the bust um not too long ago so yeah well you know he shot a sneaky good percentage last year from three um he didn't shoot a lot of shots but he definitely looks like he's uh, uh so far like they just kept talking about how uh, I don't know if you caught the Cavs feed, but Austin Carr was just like, this guy's getting the ball and he's not going to pass it. <laughs> you know, a shot's going up. <laughs> and he was, he was ab- right, though. <laughs> he was. And, and Rui, I mean, you put up 12 shots in 20 minutes. That's, that's you know, you're, you're doing work. But I feel like a little bit the the Wizards let the Cavs off the hook because, you know, Kyle Kuzma has been absolutely on fire for uh, – for the Wizards the first two games. He only had eight shots in 37 minutes. I mean, Bradley Beal was just a flamethrower at the beginning of the game, and uh, he only got 16 shots. And I feel like, you know, there was a lot of Christophe Porzingis, a lot of Danny Abdia, and it wasn't as if the, you know, the Wizards Will shot Martin a bad... off the bench kind of shot him off. He kind of yeah. took their chances. Yeah, it wasn't like they um, shot a bad percentage as a team. They shot 49%, but 18 turnovers was kind of a big deal. Um, and the Zinger is such a weird player. Like, like he's he's not as good as he thinks he is. You know what I mean? Like, he's the anti-Okoro. Like, Okoro refuses to do anything often on offense, and the Zinger refuses to not do things he should never do, like try and break guys down off the dribble and 
throw these crazy one-handed passes to that end up going to no one. So thank God for him in overtime when he kind of stopped doing his just pull-up game and and started being stupid with the ball. <laughs> it helped the Cavs, but they're an interesting team. I mean, they're they're more feisty than I thought they'd be. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs, Eli? I don't think so. Um, I just don't see them having the top end talent to do it besides Beal. Um, I mean, I just think that the East is so loaded and it's kind of, I was actually talking to my buddies about it. It feels like all the good teams are playing bad to start typical every, every regular season, but then all the, all the good teams are like off the cold start and all the bad teams are off the hot start. And, um, I think that's kind of the case. I was surprised that they were two and zero entering tonight's game. To be honest, I thought they would be worse than that, but they were pretty feisty. I think I was actually really impressed with um, Barton. I feel like he was like he's kind of like a dog, just playing super hard and all over the place. How? And I was actually also how how what? I thought he was all over the place and active. He had four for eleven with five turnovers and a minus seven. He was active. <laughs> Eli doubling down. You know, Porzingis. <laughs> I am doubling down. Uh, I thought Morris looked really good too, actually. Monty Morris. Like Morris did look good. I Morris did look good. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's just like really smart. And okay, I looked at the box score. I did not know the box plus minus until I looked this up just now, but he was their best player tonight plus minus wise. So that one did pass the Eli eye check test. Um, but I thought Porzingis was clutch too. He made all these threes down the stretch in the fourth quarter that I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like they're, they're they might come back. So, um, I mean, they're, yeah, yeah I, I, I just don't Unfortunately, see them. was good. Sorry. What were you saying? I'm, I just don't see them being a true, you know, competitive team. Um, cause, you know, there's just so many good teams in the in the East. I mean, the Bulls, the Hawks, those are like the teams that they're they have to probably eclipse to get into the playoffs. And I oh, I hundred percent the think the, they're gonna eclipse the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, the Bulls did not look good, and they actually did beat the Bulls before they played uh, the Cavs tonight. So, um, that was a that was opponent Chicago played in the back to back before us, right? So. Um, yeah, I mean, I just don't think they can do it because that's still, there's still eight teams I would take easily over them and that's not including the Bulls. So, yeah. And they're a weird team and they, they seem kind of thin at the big spots. Like they have Porzingis and then they have Gafford and they, they literally have Taj Gibson after that. Like that's not good. Gafford was a disaster tonight. Yeah, and Gafford was has killed the Cavs in the past, and he just exactly. kind of doesn't have that same energy. I don't think they figured out the rotations for this team, and I don't think they figured out, um, you know, who should be playing when and where. But uh, they're interesting. I know the Lakers would love to have Kyle Kuzma back. <laughs> the the <laughs> yeah. 0-3 Lakers. Um so that was interesting. Anybody else stand out for you, uh, Chris or Eli, on uh, on the Wizards? No, I mean, uh, I think, you know, the main guy, and thank you, Wes Unsell Jr., for totally botching the rotations. But, you know, Monty Morris, you know, a hell of a game, was killing us. 
You know, there he was plus six in a ten point loss for them. Only twenty seven minutes, including overtime. So no foul trouble. Um, was making plays for them. So, you know, thank you, Wes Unsell Jr. I guess you're doing your boy a favor, JB. You, you, <laughs> didn't, like, you, didn't, like, you didn't like Will Barton's game? I thought it was really good, man. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Trifling down. <laughs> Trifling down, Eli. He split okay, well, tens I'll, I'll, and then doubled down. I'll give you, this, is, this is what I'll give Eli. This is what I'll give him. When he, when he was constantly fouling Donovan Mitchell and got that fraud steal at the end of the game, yeah, yeah, he did definitely put in some effort there. I'll give him that. I think that's what it was. I think it was yeah. that steal to tie it up, basically. That's, what, that's yeah. where he hey, got that dog yeah. in him. Credit <laughs> where it's due. Every dog yeah. has its day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It does. <laughs> so speaking of uh, coaching, what have you um, thought of uh, JB so far this season um, in terms of kind of how the offense is structured, how the rotations are going? Um, I was not happy with him in the Toronto game. I thought he made some baffling errors, but I think he's been okay the last couple nights. Uh, Eli, what what's your take so far? Like game to game. Um, I think he was actually really bad in Toronto. Um, I didn't get why he didn't play Dean Wade like at all. That was kind of weird to me. And put him on Siakam, um, Jesus. Yeah, just try him on Siakam because Osman and Levert were getting cooked out there by by uh, Pascal, and then or o- OG or OG Anunoby. Yeah. It still went off too a bit in the fourth so. quarter. He did for sure. And then for some reason, I feel like JB still is all, he's a little bit more old school where he's like protect the paint first, which is a good philosophy. Don't get me wrong, but the Raptors are getting so many open threes to start the fourth quarter. And I was just like, when are we going, when are the Cavs going to adjust to this? Yeah, that was brutal. And he kind of, JB does this thing, I feel like, where he kind of over corrects and over pendulums swings it back. But against the Raptors, that was the game where I think Mitchell sat a little too long, actually, to start the fourth. Like they watched the, you know, they oh, watched n- the seven yeah. point lead just evaporate with Mobley and Mitchell on the bench. And then you have tonight's game where he's like, "No, Mitchell, Donovan, you're going to be playing all of the fourth quarter and OT because I don't trust anyone else anymore." You know, it was funny because it's exactly like what you said. Because Toronto, I was like, "Oh my god, he's putting Neto in." And just Neto with the way Toronto was just slapping everybody around and beating the crap out. I was like, he's too small to play in this game. He's going to get destroyed. And he did. And then I was kind of like, no, you need to, you need to stagger, um, Levert and Mitchell because you got to have somebody on the floor that can handle the ball and has size. And he kind of really didn't figure that out until it was too late. And then, of course, Mobley was a little tentative. But I still thought they were like right there. But yeah, it was just it was a tough game. Yeah, and I think he's the one area where I will give him a little bit of credit for is um, I feel like he's still always tinkering a little bit in this early season, which I do like. Like I liked how against the Bulls he had a huge lineup out there. You know, it was Mitchell as the point. He had Osman at the two, Wade, um, Love, and Rolo. I mean, I like. I mean, it. 
it worked because the Bulls are just not that great. But I like how he's throwing those little wrinkles, showing like really big and really small, and kind of incorporating that into the lineup. So, um, and I, I'll I do, give him. His, actually, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And the last point I will say is I'm glad he did a cha- he did use his challenge in overtime today. Um, but I think in a weird way it's like the epitome of JB. He like challenged the play that the rule changed this year, where if it's like a over the back foul that you're trying to get over like a loose ball foul that you're trying to get overturned it has to be clearly visible that your team's player would have caught the ball but obviously in that situation it was where Porzingis came over the back and clearly grabbed the ball so even though the refs would probably admit it was over the back because of that rule change they couldn't change it and that's something that was said on the broadcast (laughs) you're right like that's just the ultimate JB (laughs) like even when he's right he's wrong on challenges yeah, exactly. well, and yeah. then there was the one in the Toronto game. They didn't have the timeout to challenge a possession on the on the tip ball that went out of bounds, which would have been big. And, yeah, it was just managing those timeouts and challenges is never been his strong suit. So, But I will say, like, just were you talking about tinkering with the lineups, you know, the willingness to ride the hot hand with, like, Chetty Osman – over the last three games and not getting too locked into a lineup, especially when, you know, you've had injuries and obviously guys not being as effective as you thought they'd be, you know, that ability to tinker and kind of mess with stuff has been interesting. I haven't loved the offense, but I also think, especially with missile, these guys haven't played together that much. So I know there's going to be a lack of creativity sometimes. Um, so I'm just kind of willing to live with that. What about you, Chris? What What are your takes so far on JB? Well, actually, we will get to your takes uh, when we're back. Welcome back to Cavs of Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with a 50% Korean Cavaliers podcast. Uh, Eli reminded me to tell you about that uh, in the break. So uh, my my Ooh. Korean brothers, I salute you. And, uh, and you know, uh, Chris... Uh, why don't you uh, take us into what's working and what's not with JB so far this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm loving everything JB's doing except for the Okoro experiments, to be honest. Like, that's really the only thing that's not actually worked um, in his favor um, is starting Okoro off the last two games. Uh, but, I mean, credit. I think JB deserves a lot of credit for the way um, – Mitchell has fit in seamlessly like Mitchell looks like he fits in perfectly and he's he's put the team on his back and you know he's guiding this team you know with JB's guidance you know Mitchell's just you know coming seamlessly um you know I don't know what's going on necessarily you know I I, I'm gonna chalk it up to I'm gonna chalk up Mobley's struggles to just youth you know, youth and expectations, uh, early in the season. Um, so, uh, but you know, you might want to argue that maybe a little less Mobley, a little more, you know, Wade, a little more Lopez. I don't know, um, what's, what's needed there, but, um, or love, you know, maybe more love. Um, but that's nitpicking, you know, so we're, we're sitting at two and one, um, you know, he should, JB probably should have took taken a tech uh, in that Toronto game, 
uh, for sure. You know, I don't know why he's getting a tech tonight, but, uh, you know, take, take the tech on that Toronto game. That was an abomination. My God. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'll ask you about that. Yeah. I'll ask you a question <laughs> then. So one of my takeaways from that Toronto game was the Cavs need an enforcer. And I feel like the Cavs got a couple candidates on this team. If I was JB, I would go to Lamar Stevens like right now and be like, Lamar, I love you. You are a kind of a fringe player in the NBA. I need you to be this team's enforcer. Like if, um, who was it? Uh, Gary Trent Jr. pokes my point guard in the eye. I'm putting you in the game and you're going to lay him out on a screen. Like you can't be messing with my guys without the JYD coming at you and taking your head off. Like that would be what I would, and I know all the all his buddies on the team would like pitch in for his fines. Like I feel like that is what the Cavs are too nice, and they need, uh, they need an enforcer. They need to you know knock some heads because that that was garbage. And hasn't he done that to like two other players so far this year? He did like, it to Gary Trent Jr. Sharp. Yeah, he did it to Dayron Sharp the night after. Yeah, and didn't he do it to somebody else too? I thought it was no, three, no, but I could was, be that wrong. That was just a brawl. No, oh, that was just yeah, a brawl geez. they started. Jeez, OP. I still, and that brawl was dumb. I can't believe Caleb Martin is only getting suspended for a game. And I didn't even see the brawl. Who was the teams? The Heat and the Raptors. Oh, the Heat. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The two teams. Well, I mean, it's two teams. We. I Lowe's. think the best part of that is Toronto lost, but. Yeah, I kind of wish both teams could have lost that game somehow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to JB. Sorry, um, no, I, mean, I don't know. You know, I, yeah. my my vote is it's great. You know, he, he's doing he's doing great. Uh, you know, just just knock off the Okoro thing. I mean, let, let's let's give Wade a chance here. No, I think he's earned it, and I think you know, Levert's playing guard anyway right now, so just play him at guard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Eli. If if uh, do the Cavs need an enforcer internally, or should they go get one? That's my question. Uh, I think I think Lamar Stevens could be their enforcer. It's just unfortunate he's like the Cavs' twelfth man or thirteenth man right now. So you're just not gonna. He's not just not gonna have opportunities in the natural flow of the game to be the enforcer. You know, so. Yeah, think, maybe that guy's Rolo. Maybe that yeah, guy's yeah. Rolo. Exactly. I think so. Yeah, he's he's definitely a good candidate too with the hair and uh, just being seven foot two definitely makes him an intimidating figure. I mean, I almost feel like if they'd have just told him that Gary Trent Jr. was a mascot, like it would have been over. Like <laughs> that's all they had to do. He would have just taken him out. Like Rolo hates furries. That's all there is to it. So, yeah, but I mean, I've I've loved everything I've seen so far. We all got a sour taste in our mouth on that uh, Toronto game, but I thought the Cavs didn't have anything to be ashamed of. Um, you know, one of the things that's annoying me a little, I feel like there's been a lot of people complaining about stupid things uh, from the Cavs fandom that uh, when they're winning don't seem to matter to me like Karis Levert shooting 
Um, you know, I can see complaining about Okoro because he's just almost impossible to watch on offense right now. But, you know, you know what I said? Did you read what I said on the live thread that somebody needs to give him some magic mushrooms so he can have a near life experience? <laughs> like, I don't know any other, like, what is going on with him? Like, he plays like he has PTSD. It's weird. I don't know. Anyway, anything else you guys want to talk about Cavs-wise? Or uh, should we take a little peek around the league? Um, any big surprises? Who's your best, your biggest surprise so far of who is good that you didn't expect to be, Chris? And who is struggling that you're very surprised? Oh, this is, I'll start with that one first. The struggle one that I'm surprised about is Philly. No question. Like, 0-3 and, and a loss to San Antonio. Like, Doc should be fired. <laughs> I don't know how he has a job right now. Like, that's crazy. Um, as far as team that's good that's surprised, you know, I'm not surprised because, you know, I've always been pro Laurie Marketing, but I'm just going to take a victorious, I'm going to take a victory lap on Laurie Marketing. Uh, you know, they're three and O and Laurie's in the running for most improved. Hell, I'll say he's most, I'll say he's a top five MVP candidate right now. Get three games into this precious season. <laughs> Whoa. So, uh, Laurie Marketing, pro Laurie Marketing agenda is victorious. You know, that was, you know, we, when we were talking about this trade, you know, we both said, and now we're both vindicated. It was a Laurie Marketing for Donovan Mitchell trade. That's what we perpetrated, not a Sexton for Mitchell. Sexton was the throw in. Who makes more than Marketing, which is weird. Doesn't he? <laughs> They're yeah. about the same. They're, I think it's yeah. virtually the same. Right around yeah, 20 million. Yeah, that's so weird. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you, Eli? Um, obviously, I mean, we know Utah 3-0 and is, is surprising. Any other big surprises so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris is definitely right. Those are probably the two biggest surprising teams. So just to – I'll jump on a little bit more in Philly. I'm just so disappointed because I thought – the 76ers actually had really good momentum going into this year. I mean, they obviously their playoff and run ended, but they were finding a groove. And the way to start the season after getting PJ Tucker and tampering for, for that, and then basically trying to make Rockets East and then coming out this flat is just, it's actually pretty funny. Um, but I guess the other team that I'm pleasantly surprised by are the Trailblazers. I mean, they're 3 0. Game time has kind of been back, and um, you know, obviously they've beaten up some bad teams like the Lakers. But the fact that they they're off to a pretty good start with um, wins over the Suns, the Kings, and the Lakers to start up the season. I mean, that's those are some that's an impressive you know group of teams that they've beaten to start the year. So uh, you kind of stole mine. I Eli. think they're the, a good surprise and. Yeah, you stole mine for yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Chris stole mine, so let's, let's just keep this train going. <laughs> like, yeah. the thing that I w am really yeah. intrigued well, by... If you the... want to expound in that... <laughs> sorry, can you guys hear me? Yep. Can... Oh, okay. Um, so the thing... Yeah, no, I love what I'm seeing from Portland so far. I mean, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons, and Dame Lillard is a really good starting lineup. 
And then Shaden Sharp has been so much better than uh, anybody thought he would be out of the gate. And then you've got Nasser Little who signed like what everybody said was like the most ridiculously good extension ever because it's literally like a three or four year extension below the mid-level like for a positive player so that a lot of people were super surprised so yeah Portland especially with Dame playing the way he's playing is 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 really impressive and I will say you know I'm not surprised by Minnesota I thought they would be really good uh but they look super tough so far I'll also say the other team that has surprised me has been the Spurs. Um, and a lot of it has been your boy that you were all uh, on two years ago. Devin Vassell has been pretty good for them. And then um, then not good. Um, I don't know if there's anybody that's, you know, super surprising. I guess Orlando. I thought they would at least be competitive, and they haven't really been very competitive so far. So... Uh, maybe they're not going to be there <laughs> like I thought they would be or I'll play their over under. So not looking good for them so far. Anyway, um, next game up is Wednesday versus um, who are they playing Wednesday? The Pacers? Magic. That's a good question. I don't know. Oh, is it the Magic? Ooh, oh, nice. Magic. Yeah, I think it's the Magic. Well, that makes me happy because the Magic haven't been very good. So what a segue I just did. I'm like a natural at this. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm excited for that and then going into next weekend. And uh, when what, who are they playing Friday? Boston. Got that and then they Boston. play the Knicks on Sunday. Yeah, so that'll be big because Darius Garland should be back against Boston. And we all hate Boston, so hopefully uh, the Cavs uh, play all well that game. All the hate Boston. Yeah, oh, I I love that team. So anyway, um, anything to pitch, guys, before we wrap this bad boy up? Stump me again. I don't got shit. You, God, you know we have this podcast every week, Chris. <laughs> it's not like this is a surprise. Come on, man. <laughs> man, I need to start doing some research. Jeez, man. <laughs> oh man. Um, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll throw okay. some, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, go I'll ahead. something from, no, I got here, 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 here's, I got a blast from the past. So, you know, uh, uh, there was an article that I read about how like music from like the early 21st century is all gone. Like it's all, you know, it was all on iPods and disappeared. There was some stupid article about it. So I thought that was so dumb because one of my favorite albums from the early 2000s era dubs lost souls so that's what i'll pitch is an old ass album that i love um the doves were are kind of an indie band from the uk uh they started off as djs actually they were in like edm techno uh genre prior to forming a band and i think it's a, a brother uh, two brothers that started the band so they were just techno djs that started a a rock band and uh their first album, Lost Souls, is a excellent, uh, excellent of a three album run. They had a fantastic three album run. The first of which is Lost Souls. I think came out in like two thousand two or two thousand four or something like that. So that's why I got to pitch some old ass music. Interesting. So, like, where did you read that article? 
Oh, it was. It must have been on like uh, the like uh, Google News, like the news aggregator. Oh, okay. Just, so you don't know just, like what it linked to. Got it. Yeah, yeah. It was just a headline. Okay. And I was just like, that's funny. And they basically blamed the use of uh, uh, MP3 players for the and, reason why. And nobody having yeah. vinyl. Yeah. Yep, exactly. No one has the hard copy. Yep, streaming and everything taking over. Yep, exactly. Interesting. Eli, you got anything to pitch? Yeah, um, I'm actually going to pitch. And I had this beer recently, but it's a Cleveland area beer. Um, Fatheads Brambleberry or Bumbleberry. Um, oh, I didn't realize yeah, Bumbleberry is a good one. Yeah, Bumbleberry. I, uh, I had. Um, I was out with some friends on Friday night, um, and I saw it on the menu and got it. And I was like, "Man, this is really good." I forgot how good this was. So. Um, I'm also going up to the Cavs game against the Knicks on a week from tonight, so I'm pretty excited for that. Um, I actually split a season, a quarter season pack with our own David Wood. So we're going to try to go to a couple games together, and we each got like three or four games we're going on our own. So um excited to be an official member of Cavs United for another season. So nice. That's well. Did you get the free ballet app? Uh I did not. So we didn't qualify. Um you have to be at least oh, half we... or greater. Oh, okay. You know? Got it. But I actually get it through my streaming service that I am get for at a discount because I'm an AT&T customer. So I'm set on getting Valley Sports. I don't have nice. a separate package. Nice. Um, and then my pitch is going to be a show I've been watching with the misses called The Great. It's on Hulu and uh, it's about Catherine the Great um, when she was married to uh, Peter, son of Peter the Great. Um, and basically she's a German who gets brought to Russia because uh, Peter needs to marry somebody and produce an heir. And then uh, Peter's played by Nicholas Holt, who's, you know, fan beast in the X-Men movies and uh, was in uh, Thunder Road, uh, Mad Max, uh, Fury Road. So it's really good. It's basically like a very black comedy, uh, you know, the, the smallpox outbreaks and war and people losing their limbs. And it's super dark, but kind of super funny and uh, kind of has a real avant-garde uh, soundtrack. All the soundtracks end with modern songs, which is weird for, you know, that era. But basically they're plotting a coup against uh, Peter uh, so that she can, you know, become Catherine the Great. But there's a lot of machinations. And of course, everybody has a British accent. And Elle Fanning is fantastic as Catherine. It's a, it's a really well done show. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, so check that out if you're looking for a good date watch. Um, yeah, and that's all I got. And nice. Uh, nice. yeah, and uh, we got Cavs coming up on uh, Wednesday and Friday and Knicks on Sunday. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up then. As always, go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.